Hey there, welcome to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, host of pureandsimplebible.com. And I'm so glad you're here. Grateful to have another conversation recorded and for us to have the chance to have this discourse uh, between two people live and then you in a way as well. You're, you're part of this discourse. And whether that means you interact with me by contacting me afterwards, which several of you have done to talk about it, or you talk about it with your friends and family that takes these conversations and then uh, we're able to organically talk about the gospel with others. Fantastic. This week, Brother Elias Rodriguez is on the program talking about reigniting our passion for the Lord. It's a fantastic conversation, great Bible study, and we're going to jump right into it at this time. Thank you for coming to my office. (laughs) My pleasure. It was a very long journey to get to my office from my house, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Brother Elias, you are... um, joining us for a weekend or a week of, of gospel meetings at Valley Parkway. But some of our listeners, they don't, maybe they do not know you. Can you take a minute and introduce yourself to uh, the people who are listening? Of course, it's a pleasure. Well, my name is Elias Rodriguez, and I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I work for the Church of Christ, the church that Jesus built. And I have the privilege to share the great news of salvation to the lost and to help edify our brothers and sisters and work together and growing together and serving God together. Mm-hmm. And we hope and pray that we remain faithful till the end so that we may enjoy everlasting life with God in heaven forever Amen. and ever. Amen. And you've been preaching for 44 years. Yes, right? actually for 44 years. 44. Yes, sir. And uh, you, you've been married for 38? Yes. Is that right? Yes, sir. I, I have a beautiful wife, the best for me, and the whole world. <laughs> and I have two children. They are faithful to, to the Lord. And my son, Jacob, is uh, my right arm. Mm. While I travel, he takes care of everything I do locally. So I'm blessed with him, and I also... Blessed with Karen. Uh, she's a Christian woman. And my son-in-law, William, he served, luckily, uh, in El Cajon, California. He preaches once a month and try to learn more how to serve others. Mm-hmm. So I'm so blessed with uh, my family. And I have two granddaughters, mm. <laughs> Ellie and Melody. They are all for me. <laughs> And you are their abuelito, right? Soy the... abuelito, <laughs> si, señor. <laughs> That's your grand, your grandpa name was abuelito. Very good. Um, well, you joined us for five days at Valley Parkway. We're, we're in the middle right now as we record this. Preaching for us in the evening. We've spent some time knocking doors as well. Um, and I wanted to spend some time talking about this Bible study that you preached called Reigniting Your Passion for God. You've, you've spent two nights talking about it. It's been very helpful, helpful for me and I hope for our, our congregation. Uh, when you decided to write this sermon, what was the motivation behind it? What did, what did you want to do? Well, the first 
motivation was to help myself and my family to learn to have passion for God because this is not something that we can get automatically. Mm. It's something that we need to, to learn. Like Paul said, I have learned to be content with everything, mm-hmm. with any situation. Same thing with passion for God. We need to learn. So the first motivation was to help me as a preacher and as a Christian, as a parent and husband and brother and brother in Christ, to have passion for God and compassion for men. When I when I think of the word passion, I usually think of a marriage. You know, we love our wives, and and maybe uh, our wives are passionate, right? But I don't hear the word very often when we talk about the Bible. And so um, I like the scripture that you used. I'd like to read it, if it's okay, in Romans chapter 12. This is the the scripture that you've used two nights now to explain that um, passion is a Christian principle and we we must have passion for God and in the same way that, that people think about passion in their marriage relationship. Um, in Romans twelve eleven it says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Can you help our listeners um, understand what what a passion for the Lord, what, what that means? Well, what Paul was telling us in that uh, verse is that we need to keep the fire going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the world uh, keep uh, or try to keep us away from this passion and overwhelm us with many things in life, but really we need to uh, reignite, keep that fire for God. That's yeah, what. I like what you said about how in the world, in in our culture, people can be passionate about anything except God. And so people uh, can, uh, a grown man can cry at a football game when his team loses. But if he is emotional or passionate about God, people say, oh, He's a fanatic. Excellent point. Um, you also brought out how passion is the deciding factor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the quote. Passion is a deciding factor between successful and unsuccessful people. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we all have that potential to, to be successful. But the key ingredient to be successful is passion Mm. without it nobody can be succeed or nobody can succeed in life in any area of life physically emotionally or spiritually right right and it is important i like that you said success does not only depend on passion because I, i think a lot of our religious friends in in denominational groups they're very passionate but passion only is is also not um it's not wise we need to have more than that is that right it's correct you know passion is the ingredient to be a successful 
in any field in life. But, you know, that passion is to follow the principles that we find in the Word of God. In order to be passionate to God, you need to follow the instructions because passion alone, you know, you can be passionate about doing something wrong or something that is not according to God's Word, and you're going to get nothing mm-hmm. that really pleases God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm, I'm going too fast for the notes, so you can slow me down if I skip some of your points. But uh, I really like some of the Psalms that you you bring into the study because you show us that this is a, a Bible topic from the beginning to the end. It's always been there that God's people must be fervent and passionate about serving him. What did you find in Psalms that uh, helped explain this idea of being passionate for God? Well, in Psalm 42, 1 and 2, says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And then another Psalm, uh, Psalm 84 and 2 says, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out, for the living God. Mm-hmm. What I can see in these two verses or these two passages is passion for God. Yeah. And that's exactly what we need to look for, to be passionate about God. Right. I agree. And one of the things that you just mentioned it earlier, uh, a true passion is a passion to obey God not just to love and say, acknowledge, oh, I believe in you, but to obey. And I, I, I take that from your, your study. It was very encouraging for me because sometimes people in the world hear the phrase, we must obey God, and they think, oh, that's, that's not passionate at all. But the opposite is true, that to obey is to be passionate. To be passionate is to obey. Both, you know, passion and obedience goes together. And you cannot have just passion and not obedience. And, you know, you, you're never going to, to please God in that way. We need to be passionate about obeying God. Mm-hmm. goes together. Mm-hmm. Can you explain uh, this phrase? I wrote down this note. You said, being passionate for God is not natural and it's not easy. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, we do not born with being passionate to God. It's like when we born, uh, we didn't know how to walk mm. or speak or even get dressed. Uh, but, you know, we learn those things. Well, spiritually, we have the potential, we have the passion, but we need to learn how to develop that passion to God. So it, it's not natural. It's a discipline. It's something that you choose. Yeah. It's something that you work hard yeah. to learn and practice that and yeah. to make a style of life, lifestyle mm-hmm. of passion for God. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a little bit um, when we talk about passion killers. You make a really good point about 
uh, six things to exercise towards godliness. And that speaks a lot to me. I'm, I hope I don't spoil this for our listeners, but that speaks to me because I love to exercise, but sometimes I'm not very diligent and I, I don't. So maybe I take off one week, two week, one month, two month, and I haven't, I haven't gone for a run. And then when it's time to run again, if I haven't, my body just can't do it well. And so it is with passion, right? We want to be passionate for God, but if we've never exercised that, then it can be very challenging to get started. Yes. Well, you know, we, we need to, like um, the Bible tells us in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, exercise yourself toward godliness. Mm -hmm. We need to keep exercise. Exercise means just practice, but practice in a, on a daily basis. You cannot stop for one day, one week, one month. You're going to be in trouble to start all over again. So exercise means just to keep exercising, exercising and practicing the principle of God in your life. And that is going to bring you to be a passionate for God. Never stop. Never stop. Satan wants us to stop for right. any reason. But, you know, we need to keep just to keep that fire ablaze in our lives. Let me ask you a question. Um, let's say somebody's listening to this and maybe they did stop. Right. Maybe they have not uh, used the time well to to stay on fire for the Lord. And so they're they're hearing our conversation and they think oh, I just I've failed um, I haven't done well and now they're just feeling very guilty do you have any word of encouragement for this person how can they how can they jump back up well you know in one time or another we are at risk beginning with me to be in that level yeah anytime but you know God is so merciful mm -hmm. and he loved us to give us a second and third chance, yeah. an opportunity. How? Well, he tells us how. If we realize that our passion is declining or decline at all, go to God and ask for forgiveness and help. He's always ready to help us and give give us another opportunity so the door is always open mm. for mm -hmm. us to come back and try again and again and let me tell you something if you have tried two three four times well try the fifth <laughs> time you know sooner or later if you want with God's help you're gonna be passionate to God so never never let Satan to keep you down and say, hey, you have tried so many times, you can't. No, no, that's not true. You can. Mm -hmm. Satan said you can't. Right. And God said you can. Right. Anytime. Right, right. You know, I think about with my wife, Marissa, sometimes we have problems. Our, our, we have a wonderful marriage, but sometimes we have problems. And when we have problems, I have to, I have to start somewhere. I can't just ignore it forever. 
I have to tell her, hey, I'm sorry I said that. And even that, even though I've, I've failed one, two, three, four, like you said, times, the fifth time, the sixth time, the seventh time, one of us has to begin by saying, hey, sorry, let's try it again. And that passion we can reignite in our relationship when we're willing to say, I made a mistake. Let's let's start over. Yes. And and it's the same with God. We mess up one, two, three, four, five, six, one hundred, one thousand <laughs> times. But we can always say, um, I need to I need to try again. So thank you. Very encouraging. Um, in your study, I'm gonna read another quote that I liked. You said everybody fights against Satan but not everybody's fighting the good fight. What's the difference? Well, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, tells us about fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. And also writing to Timothy, he mentioned fight the good fight of faith. Well, you know, everybody fight, uh, 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 fight against Satan because... We don't want to do what Satan wants us to do. So we are fighting. But, you know, fight a good fight means to really do what Paul did according to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Mm-hmm. He, he put down his flesh. Uh, he uh, don't allow the flesh to take control on his desires. Mm-hmm. And do what God wants us to do if you understand or, or you don't, if you have strength or not, come to God and just say, s- submit yourself to God and look to do His will. Mm. And then you're going to find out that everything is possible with Jesus, like Paul said in Philippians 4.13. So keep the good fight Never compromise your faith. And if you do that, you're going to be of those who fight the good fight. And I encourage you and encourage encourage myself to do so because that's what pleased God. And that's the only way that you and I may be faithful till the end because that was the key factor for Paul. Yes, yes. And later in the study... You talk about fire, fire, or fire lighters, not firefighters, fire lighters. And I'm, I don't want to spoil it too much. But you talk about how in Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 18, we all have a secret weapon. I liked the way you phrased that. We have a secret weapon. I won't say it yet, listener, so you have to wait. But as we fight the good fight, we have weapons. And so everybody's fighting the devil because he doesn't want anyone to be saved. But there's a difference between just fighting him off, but then fighting the good fight, like you've said, brother. Um, in your study, you, you pause and you ask the question, what is the opposite of passion? And so I'd like to do that now, and I'd like to ask you, for our listeners who are, are thinking about, okay, I want to be passionate for God. I need to learn what passionate is. It probably is a good idea to consider 
the opposite. What is the opposite of passion? Well, to be uh, the opposite to, to passion is not to have the desire. This is number one, because in order to have passion, you have to desire to have passion, okay? Mm -hmm. And when you have passion, one thing that I recommend you and recommend myself, talk to God and tell him, Father, I, I, I need to be passionate about you and I don't know how. Well, let me tell you one thing that helped me to be passionate to God is to, number one, Mm -hmm. to keep busy reading the Bible, listening to God, talking to Him. The, these two things really strengthen our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as you talk to Him, as much as you uh, listen uh, to Him, your relationship with Him is going to start growing and growing. Right. That's the way that we uh, going to have passion. But if you don't uh, study God's word, you don't talk to God, you don't go and worship God, you don't participate in the uh, worship services with all your heart, with all your 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 mind, mm -hmm. then you're gonna you're gonna lack of passion. Yeah, I like the the scripture that you reference when you ask the question, uh, "What is the opposite of passion?" Um, you know, there, there's obviously many words, but you brought out from Revelation chapter 3 about being lukewarm. And man, that one, that one hits. Because I think a lot of us, sometimes we're hot, and then sometimes we're not. Um, can you tell us about, maybe, maybe we could read it. Let's read Luke, or rather, Revelation chapter 3. And, uh, then you can help us understand it better. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I think this is one of the most powerful pictures about how Jesus feels when people pretend to obey him or people are just interested in obeying him on Sunday, but not the other days. Um, in your studies, how does this idea of lukewarmness compare to the passionate Christian? Well, to be warm, we know because we like that kind of weather, you know, no, not cold, <laughs> not hot. And it's, it's fine with, for weather, but spiritually, it's so dangerous mm -hmm. because, you know, to be lukewarm spiritually means that you are serving God, not offending the devil. That means right. you serve God on Sunday while you are around Christian people. But, you know, in other times and other circumstances, you just act like those who does not know Jesus. Right. So that, that, that attitude is going to make you to be a lukewarm spiritually. Yeah, I, I put 
that phrase in my notes and I put three stars next to it because I felt like that definition that you gave helped me understand it better. So I want to reinforce it again. Uh, lukewarmness is serving God in such a way that you do not offend the devil. Oh, man. Um, and you also mentioned in Revelation 2 that Ephesus was on their way to becoming lukewarm because uh, of, of Jesus' warning. What was the warning that he gave them, and, and how were they changing? Well, you know, and uh, Revelation chapter 2 talks about you saying uh, the, the church at Ephesus. You know, one, one thing that really uh, uh, called my attention on, on that letter is, you know, they were working hard. They were not denying their faith. They were perseverance. They do everything. But, you know, even though they were doing everything that they expect to do, mm -hmm. they had one thing left, first love. Yeah. They left first love. They left passion. Yeah. They left passion. You know, we you can go to worship God and, you know, like a, just because you are a Christian and you go and you have to go on, you know, Sunday morning, that's why you do not return on Sunday evening or Wednesday night because you are lack of passion. Because if you are, uh, pa you, you have passion for God, mm -hmm. you're going to be close to him anytime and any opportunity but you know the problem with the church at ephesus is that they they do everything that they expected to do but without passion first love is no passion mm. amen now the way you you end this part of the study so we have another part that we're going to talk about called killers of your passion very good but the way that you end the first part is by explaining we're passionate for God because, first, God was passionate for us. And I think that's such a healthy point for people to remember because sometimes people may hear this and they say, oh, I, I just I have so much going on and I don't know if I can do it. But when I remember God is passionate for me, that's a good motivation. Will you take some time to, you have scriptures and you have some excellent points to make. I want to give you opportunity to explain this. Help us understand that God is passionate about us. Well, I I don't think you're going to disagree with me on this because we know who God is and how much he loved us, you know, to the point that he gave his only begotten son to us, to me. You know, is the most most powerful point to mm -hmm. to prove mm -hmm. uh, that God is passionate about us. When you are losing passion, or you don't have passion, look to the cross and look to the sacrifice that Jesus uh, did for you and for me. And you know, the Bible tells us in John three sixteen that mm -hmm. God, because He is passionate about us. Mm -hmm. He sent Jesus to die for us. And you know, Jesus offered himself. Mm -hmm. Nobody took his life. He offered his life for us. You know, Jesus is passionate about us. So we need to be passionate about 
them and serve them with all our heart, mind, strength, and everything, all our being has to be passionate about God because He is passionate about us and everything He does to us. I've heard someone say, um, God, let me see if I can phrase it right. I may not say it correctly. God does not want us to do anything that he hasn't done himself or the other way. God only asks us to do things that he's already done. So when he says to sacrifice time and energy and he's already sacrificed time and energy and in fact he gave more than we'll ever give god asks us to do that which he has already done and uh yeah a passionate life given to god is because god first gave his only son and and has this wonderful plan through jesus for him yes you know that what what you say uh Bring to my mind one one verse that we find in First John, <clears throat> chapter three, if I I remember correctly. He loved us. We love him because he loved us first. Right, right, right. He sent Jesus Christ mm-hmm. to die for us when we were sinners. So he did first, and now he is asking us to love him the same way that <laughs> to live for him that that you know the, to, to let me let me let me explain this way <clears throat> we need to love God because he loved us first he sent Jesus Christ to die for us now he's asking us to serve him mm-hmm. that's more than fair to do that mm-hmm. we cannot do less than that that's right amen and i don't want to spoil the study but we're going to talk in a little bit listener about an unclear purpose and that's making me think about our purpose and, and christians need to know what is our purpose in life and so we'll talk in a, in a, in a few minutes about it but we want you to know that that there is a purpose for everyone and uh, it has to do with, with this scripture. We love him because he first loved us. Brother, I'm thinking of another scripture. It's in the book of Colossians, chapter 3. And it says, uh, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. And people wonder, how do we do that? How do we have this mind set on heavenly things? And I think your scriptures that you've mentioned help me understand how. And that is, I set my mind above by remembering. God is only asking me to do things he's already done for me. He's asking me to love him because he already loves me. So that elevates my mind to heavenly places. And I'm thinking about our brothers and sisters who maybe their their life is difficult. They're discouraged. Um, they wonder, how is it ever going to change? And just by having that mindset change where we think 
about all that God has done for us. What a tremendous blessing it is, right? Yes. You end the study um, with, with that phrase that this, this is what I wrote down, this is to remind us about how blessed we are. Would you take a moment and just share with our listeners about the, the, how blessed we are to be passionate for God? You know, when we talk about the blessing that we receive each day from, from God, we, we can think about the physical blessing. Well, you know, we have life. We have health. We have health problems too. But God uh, put in our hands means how to uh, help on those health problems. He uh, put us around a family we have a place to live. We have a way of transportation. You know, we, we have everything we need and more than what we really need and, mm -hmm. of course, deserve. We live in this great country where we enjoy so many blessings that we uh, couldn't uh, live and enjoy in other places on the earth. This, this is just talking uh, physically. But remember, Matthew five forty five says that these blessings are for everybody, right. good and bad, right. uh, obedient or disobedient. But never, never be happy just to enjoy those, those uh, blessings. You know, there are more. There are spiritual blessings. According to Ephesians 1, 3, tells us that God blesses with all kinds of spiritual blessings mm -hmm. in holy places or uh, heavenly places, yes. you know. And one, that one of those heavenly places is in the church. The Church of Christ is a colony of God, heavenly colony on earth. Mm -hmm. So, listen, uh, we are so blessed. Amen. When when you want to be how blessed you are, think about God, the love that He showed to us, mm -hmm. Jesus on the cross of Calvary, the power of His resurrection. Mm -hmm. This is a blessing because Amen. resurrection and Christianity stands together or all together mm -hmm. and you know uh, also think about your relationship that you have with God you have a father uh, you know he he is there all the time yeah so we are so blessed and and also you can go to first Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 and uh, mm -hmm. brother can you read first uh, Peter chapter 2 verse 9 to the first part yeah it, it is amazing you know, all all the, the things that are mentioned there, just to let us know how privileged and blessed we are. Yes. First uh, Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So listen, God has blessed us with blessing that we do not deserve. Mm -hmm. So what, why, why you and I cannot be passionate about God? Yes, that's the last thing that we can do. We need to be passionate because He is passionate to us. Please, Amen. please think about it and be passionate about God. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, that was uh, part one. Of, of this study that you've brought to our congregation. And I hope our listeners 
feel encouraged by it, but it's not the end because uh, you then move to another part of this idea of passion, but you call it passion killers, killers of your passion, right? And you, you ask a big question, which is how can we stay passionate for the Lord? And so what we're going to do now, listener, is we're going to consider some ways that uh, there are things in life that can kill your passion. And then after that, we'll discuss a few ways that we can reignite and get that passion going again. Oh, well, you're going to have to come back next week if you want to hear about these passion killers as well as passion reigniters. So I hope that this was a helpful study for you, and I look forward to continuing it next week. So come back. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Leave it a five-star review and share it with others. I think that's something that I've been thinking about lately, and I've had some uh, advice for that as well. One of the ways that this can be helpful is by you sharing it around. And whether that be if you're active on social media and you want to share it uh, with others that you find the podcast helpful or by texting them or sharing with them personally, um, I find that through sharing, sowing the seed into the heart of people who uh, need to know more about the gospel, I mean, we can always do more of that. And this certainly is a good topic to do it with. So hope that's helpful. And I hope you'll take this with you and share it with others. So until next week, Check out the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com. And always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.